0: Today, on the Pattern Leader podcast, I want to talk about competing sections of the muzzleloader world and how they play off each other. Also, I'm going to talk about three of my favorite flies so far that have helped me catch trout as a beginner fly fisherman. So, do it. Like always, Madeira Outdoors brings you high quality camping and outdoor gear, ranging from drawstring bags to hammocks and sleeping pads. Find everything you can need. Also, for every Madeira purchase, they plant trees around the world, so help make a difference. Get good outdoor gear, and you can get it all up at the link in my show notes or on my blog, PatternLeader.com. Also, while you're at PatternLeader.com, checking out all the Madeira stuff, be sure to sign up for the newsletter on there. Um, I'll send out about one or two a month. Just updating you on blogs podcasts things like that also um go follow me on my social medias twitter instagram facebook at powder and leader for all of those and if you have questions advice anything for me you can email me at powder and leader at gmail.com so go ahead and do all that all right so today i want to get back to what i wanted to talk about when i first started this podcast last couple of weeks i kind of got out of it um Last week, especially with the political stuff, and then the week before wasn't really what I really want to talk about. So, like I said, this week I'm gonna get back, get more into what I want to talk about, just my experience outdoors and if they can help you or on the water or anything like that. So that being said, my experience with muzzle loaders has mostly been shooting. I've been shooting muzzle loaders for six years. Done a little bit of hunting, mostly shooting. Um but still when I'm online or on the message boards, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, I see a beef going on all the time. In full disclosure, what I shoot is a CVA Optima. It's a 50 caliber inline rifle. So, an inline rifle is a break action rifle that shoots a 209 shotgun primer into either pelletized power or loose powder and then shoots a projectile out that's not a cap and ball, it's more like your typical bullet. Um... And I've been shooting this gun for six years, so I'm very familiar with it, how it operates, everything like that. So I go to message boards and I follow a lot of muzzleloader stuff on Instagram, and I always see a beef between traditional fitlock guys and a, against the new inline platform of a muzzleloader. So what I want to do is go through a quick history of muzzleloaders. Just a real quick one. I know it's kind of boring, but I like to lay the background and show where these people are coming from when they talk about tradition and primitive rifles. And then explain why inline hunter, inline muzzleloaders are important for hunting and just being outdoors in general. So, the first muzzleloader was invented in like the 17th century. It was a flintlock muzzleloader out of England, primarily used as a weapon of war. So, staying out of politics, but um, muskets are weapons of war too, just saying. Um, Kentucky rifles then came next, probably what you're most familiar with, that in the Hawking from 1823, but we'll get into that. The Kentucky Rifle is the one that was used in the American Revolution. It's an American icon when you think of the Revolutionary War and the gun that was used there. That's what you're thinking of. Springfield, 1974 came around. George Washington um, contracted Springfield to make muskets for the American military. It's the first American military gun, so uh, you're probably pretty familiar with that one. And then the one you're probably most familiar with... The Hawk in 1823, it's famous, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, Daniel Boone, all the famous hunters. Robert Redford, that's what he had in the movie, Jeremiah Johnson. So when you think mountain men, that's probably the muzzleloader or musket you're thinking when you think mountain men. Then for a while, they kind of went out of the way with, you know, single shot, uh, closed cartridges and lever guns and all that came around. And kind of no one really cared about them for a while in the 1970s. They came back around. Knight made the MK85 in 1985. That was the first modern muzzleloader, people would say. Then Thompson Center came out with the inline muzzleloader, as you would picture it now. The brake action with the breech plugs and the shock and primer ignition system and all that. And Then it got even a little more weird. In 2007, CVA came out with the Electra, which is an electronic ignition. Which, don't ask me to explain that because I can't. And then uh, the bolt-actions came back. There was originally bolt-actions in the you know, the 18th century and into the 19th century a little bit. But mostly when people think of a bolt-action rifle or they say a bolt-action muzzleloader, they think it's new, it's really not, but that's what people think. So this is where it basically starts off is what defines a muzzle loader. The dictionary definition has it as a gun that is loaded through the muzzle, you know, powder projectile with an ignition system. Um, Some states are trying to make it so the ignition system needs to be exposed, which would make a modern inline muzzleloader not fit the definition because it closes the breech, the primer is covered, and it's just not visible. Um, Some of the bolt actions have made a little, little slit in there that you can look through and see, but as far as the inlines, not visible. Um. Why the old heads don't like it, or the primitive guys, the traditionalists—they don't like them. They like their flintlocks, the wood stocks, cap and ball. They think that's the only way you can do it. That should be the only definition of a muzzleloader. Um, why? Because it's actually primitive. Primitive because it's older than fifty years old. They don't really define primitive, but. I've heard arguments made, or I've heard that arguments were made about compound bows when those first came out that they weren't primitive enough to be considered bow hunting. And for people who make this argument, um, I think they're just kind of set in their ways. I don't know. Maybe someone can be and explain it to me. But the importance of inline muzzleloaders, what I want to talk about is the importance of inline muzzleloaders, why guys use them, and the main reason guys hunt with muzzleloaders is for that extra season at the beginning and extra season at the end of deer season if you're like me you or guys like me who don't bow hunt this is really our only times especially if your state doesn't allow you like mine to hunt with a high-powered rifle this is your only time to really get out and deer hunt is it during the shotgun seasons or the muzzleloader seasons so there's that the extra time in the field next why okay you could say well you can still hunt with an old school one and this is your only time to deer hunt is with a muzzle loader. You want the best thing out there. right now, that's the inline muzzle loader with the reliability of a 2-9 shotgun primer system. You know it's gonna go boom. With old school flintlocks percussion caps, you never know. You get hung up, hang fired, all bunch a whole bunch of things could go wrong. Besides that, the bullets that are made, you know, the the power belts, the federal premium, even the Sabo, the The shock waves from TC, they're a hell of a lot more accurate than a cap and ball is going to be. And that's what you guys want, because they don't want to be fiddling around with a cap and ball and trying to get their percussion cap on and praying that the gun goes boom when they pull the trigger. If you only have a few weeks to deer hunt, you want the best thing. Now, usually, I'm probably just confirmation bias here, but... I don't see inline guys talking crap about traditional muzzleloaders because even just normal gun people in general don't talk crap about traditional muzzleloaders because we understand as hunters that that's where we start from. I think every hunter, you know, they look up to Teddy Roosevelt. Um, they think of Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett, you know, Boone and Crockett, all that is very enriched in hunting tradition. So nobody traps on the old school ones we understand where it comes from and we understand why guys like it it's just the guys that do like it they want the inlines lines out for some reason i can never really find some reason other than they're not primitive it's the only thing i can find on message boards and they'll be able to find that for you so um really what this is why it bothers me a lot is because hunting is already such a small group and then you take a chunk out of that and muzzleloader hunters is an even smaller group and this subgroup some guys in this subgroup want to take this tiny group of hunters and make it even smaller and as hunters what we want right now is more access, more ease of access for people not less so if you're an old school muzzleloader, traditional muzzleloader guy this is something you might just have to hang your hat on and just not come back to it, just let it be because this is what we need right now is more hunters Especially guys my age, they don't want to be out. Some might, okay. Some might. Most guys don't want to be out fiddling with old technology. They want the best they can get their hands on. They want it to be easy, painless, and just efficient. And that's when you compare the two the inline is a whole lot more efficient, it's a whole lot easier, and that's what we want. So, transitioning out of that what i want to talk about also i was going to write a blog on it but like i said i'll just take the time to talk about it here because it's not going to be very long it's going to be my top three flies so far that i've used um fly fishing this this summer my first season fly fishing uh these worked really well for me so hopefully someone listening to this who's learning how to fly fish they can use it too all right so the first fly i'm going to highlight is a woolly bugger the reason i say this you know it's A lot of guys highlight this it's what you're gonna get in a post fly box I'm not sponsored by post fly but a few of these two of these at least I wouldn't have had without them so the woolly bugger for those of you who don't know it kind of looks like a normal jig that you'd use for bass fishing except for like a fly version Um, the reason why I liked it a lot is because I was learning to cast I went to a small trout pond so obviously there's no current or anything so when you're casting it's easy to cast I mean once you learn to cast with it, it's easy, with a fly rod anyways. And then it's easy to, you can work it like a normal jig like you would, just six inches of line, a f- couple tugs, three tugs at a time, and then you can just focus on practicing how to cast. You know, you don't have to lo- worry so much about the presentation of it. It's just learning how to cast and fish bite it. So you might catch fish while you're learning how to cast, and then you'd learn how to bring the fish in. So it's a good good fly to learn on, I think, at least for me it was. And it taught me the basics of casting, you know, even like different casts from roll cast, to just normal overhead casts, everything. It was real nice. The second one might be my favorite fly. Actually, I'm going to say it is my favorite fly. Um, it's a Royal Humpy. The one I use is red. Great name. First off, Royal Humpy, hilarious name. Love it. Flies have amazing names. I <laughs> just love it. Okay, so the first time I was fishing on a trout stream, um, tried a couple flies. None of them really worked. Went to my post fly blocks again. Not sponsored by them, but, you know, for a beginner fly fisherman, they've been amazing. Um, Went to it, it's a dry fly, tied it on, like, screw it, let's see what happens. Cast it out there, first hit, boom. Trout on. Um, Brought it in, got it off again, a few casts later, another fish on. Kept going like that until eventually my... uh, leader and line uh, attacher thing still haven't learned what it's called I should probably figure that out but that got pulled off lost everything lost that one royal red humpy I had so right away ordered three more from Orvis the next day got them back tied them on got some flotation lubricant been catching fish with it after that the third one after I lost that royal red humpy tried a few more flies nothing was working look down on the water and i see these water striders and i didn't know it now but when i was looking these up i guess people say that trout won't eat those because they're hard like pebbles i didn't know that at the time but it was sitting on top of the water i knew trout were eating on top of the water it was kind of murky murky water it just rained so didn't really know what i was doing tied it on because it looked this pmx dry fly I don't know if i said it but the third one's the pmx dry fly it looked a lot like that so i tied it on cast it out there fish ate it i don't know people say they don't eat this water striders but delete flies that look like them i guess i don't know the fish might have just been hungry that day they might just been aggressive who knows i don't know still beginner, still learning but it worked for me so again if you're a beginner fly fisherman you're looking for th- three flies that work for me think will probably work for you woolly bugger royal humpy the red one worked for me i don't know and the pmx dry fly worked for me too so um that's all i have today thanks for listening again patternleader.com sign up for the newsletter um patternleader on instagram twitter facebook and check out Madeira. and i think that's it thanks for listening